eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome in to another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Hey, how are you? Chris Mack with you. Uh, Audio-only edition this time, so thanks for subscribing or following the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or however you get your podcasts, and downloading this one and listening. Last time around, it was about a week ago, we did sort of uh, quarter-term grades, I guess we would call it. You know, the kids have, uh, every nine weeks, they get report cards, so quarter poll of the season, I gave some Penguin grades. Man, does it feel like some of those have already been turned on their ear. As always, uh, thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to get these as soon as they are available wherever you get your podcasts, including right here inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Now that that business is out of the way, let's talk about what's gone on with this team in the ensuing week. Now, remember, the discussion I had with you guys the whole first month and a half of the season was all based on, hey, Get into playoff position before Thanksgiving because 75% of the time, if you're in playoff position at Thanksgiving, this is at least during the salary cap era, you'll be a playoff team come the end of the season and vice versa. If you end up a playoff team, then there's a 75% chance that you were in playoff position at Thanksgiving. And yet here we are a couple weeks away, like beyond Thanksgiving now, And the Penguins, who looked like they were getting some things together leading up to Thanksgiving. Well, at least the week before, right? They'd come off that Western trip. They'd beaten Buffalo. Shut out Buffalo, in fact, at home. Remember that one? They'd beaten Columbus. Ugly showing against the Devils and not the prettiest against the Hurricanes. But beat Vegas. Played a tough one against the Rangers. Um, Had a nice win against the Maple Leafs. Remember that on Thanksgiving weekend. Yet, here they are once again playing inconsistently. Bit of a clunker in Nashville. Uh, Nice game last week in Tampa uh, against the Lightning, including the Tristan Jari goalie goal. But then, speaking of clunkers, here come three in a row. Two back-to-back ugly losses uh, to the Flyers. And here's the problem. And and then the, the one against Tampa on Wednesday night. And here's the problem. There is a recurring theme in all of these games, and that is that this team just looks like they're they're lost. They're lost. They've they've wandered off into the woods and they can't find their way out. And it's especially tough to watch because they're looking old 
in the last few games, in particular against Tampa. They looked old. Mike Sullivan is already talking about the importance of getting them rest in between games. Like, I understand you've got to schedule the downtime so that you're fresh when the important part of the year comes around. But here's the problem. The important part of the year is not going to matter if you're not within shouting distance of a playoff spot. Now, granted, everyone really in the Eastern Conference is still within shouting distance of a playoff spot. This entire conference, in fact, from the very tippy top, the Boston Bruins all the way down to the Ottawa Senators, is only separated by 17 points. Now, that's a pretty big spread for this time of year. But eliminate the division leaders, the Bruins and Rangers, with 37 points each. And the next best record is Florida's 15-8-2, 32 points. Well, the Penguins are only seven points behind that. They're only three points out of a playoff spot, despite only being five points ahead of the basement in the Ottawa Senators. So everything's compressed in the Eastern Conference, right? Like, there isn't the same stratification that you have out West, where there are just some garbage teams in Chicago and San Jose and even Anaheim. Uh, where Edmonton is still down in the bottom of the standings, even though they've started bouncing back in some ways, you know, all the way up to Vegas, who is head and shoulders above everybody else with Colorado nipping at their heels. Like There is a clear stratification out west. In the east, it's kind of like Rangers and Bruins, and then, what, maybe two or three teams, Florida, Detroit, maybe we'd lump Carolina in there, although they've been very inconsistent as of late. Then, everybody else, and then sort of Buffalo, Columbus, Ottawa at the bottom of the bear. Just not much stratification. So again, the Penguins, 11-11-3, 25 points, only three points behind Toronto for the final playoff spot right now. That much is not disconcerting. Plus eight goal differential, which is actually, let's see, fifth best in the Eastern Conference, I think. Yeah, not disconcerting. It's the best goal differential of any team in a wild card spot or below in the Eastern Conference. But here's the problem. The trends that we've seen over the past year are becoming more regular, despite what they went out and did, right? Despite firing Ron Hextall and bringing in Kyle Dubas, despite going out and getting Eric Carlson. Since last Christmas, the Pittsburgh Penguins are 32-33-8. and That's... That's not good enough. First of all, it's below 500, even if you don't count the shootout losses or overtime losses as losses. But furthermore, it's 32 wins and 41 losses in their last 73 games. That's not good enough, especially given the trends we've seen lately in the two Philly games, in the Nashville game a couple days before that, and now in the Tampa game, the second Tampa game, or the beginning of the first Tampa game for that matter when they fell behind and had to come storming back. Now, there are a few bright spots. Sidney Crosby, fifth in the league with 15 goals. Jake Gensel still performing well. Brian Rust is a house on fire when he's healthy, but he missed the third period Wednesday night in Tampa with an upper body injury that you hope is not related to the injury that kept him out for four games earlier this month, or I guess in November. Gino uh, looked like he was, I don't know, for a second there. On Wednesday night against the Lightning, maybe a little bit of angry Malkin in a good way. Just starts ripping slappers on the five-on-three rather than playing patty cake as they've been wont to do on the power play. So maybe he's starting to find something. Four points in his last 11 games, that's not good enough. 
This team can't live with all of its stars not producing. Or I guess they can't live with any of their stars not producing, I should say. Chris Letang continues to play very well, but you hope he's not dinged up after going headfirst into the boards Wednesday night in Tampa. The problem really isn't with this team's stars. Even Tristan Jari has played better as of late, although didn't look quite on his game Wednesday in Tampa. But, I mean, if you're just talking even strength hockey and the goaltending, you got to feel good about this team, actually, in my opinion. Even strength, they win most games at even strength. They do. Look, go look at the puck possession metrics. Even when they're not looking their best, they still win the even strength battle just because of how much talent they have on the top line in particular. And they were certainly doing it earlier in the year based on the work of the third line, which is not the same anymore since it's been broken up, by the way. Lars Eller's still playing really well, both ends of the ice. Drew O'Connor occasionally shows you flashes, right, because of his speed, playing on the second line with Ricard Raquel still out. But Redeem Zahorna, completely different dude. Doesn't look the same, to be honest, the last three weeks or so. He goes to near the front of the net, but he's not playing as physically as he should at his size, something I thought he was doing early on this year and especially in the preseason, and why I thought he should have been given a shot on the opening day roster, and why he looked so good when he was originally paired with Eller and O'Connor. But Zahorna doesn't even look the same anymore. The fourth line, hey, that's great. Achari and Nieto, they can kill penalties. Jeff Carter can stand in front of the net on the second power play, I guess. But that power play, first of all, the penalty killing wasn't great Wednesday night against the Lightning. That's a really good power play, the second best in the league, I think it is, statistically, down in Tampa. But you can't. First of all, you can't take dumb penalties. I'm looking at you, Ryan Shea, and you, Graves, that you can't take dumb penalties. And when you do, you got to pick up. I've talked about this before. When your teammates make a mistake, you got to pick them up. You got to be there to have their back. And they, the penalty kill did not last night. However, the penalty kill is not the problem here when we talk special teams with the 2023 24 Pittsburgh Penguins. We all know that. 0 for 4 in Tampa Wednesday night. 0 for their last 34 opportunities. They are down to 9.9%. Nine times, Mrs. Bueller. Um, this has become one of the hardest units in hockey to watch. Their power play is atrocious. It has been now a dozen games, 25 days, nearly a full month since the Pittsburgh Penguins have scored a power play goal. Actually, they're down lower than that. They're down, oh no, that's at home. Let me go to the overall number. Sorry, clicked on the wrong thing. 9.9. Third worst in the league. Only the Caps and the Blues have a worse power play. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How many times are we going to see people pass up open looks? Or forget open looks, just looks. If you get the puck, take a shot. It's 
incredibly frustrating that a team with this much offensive talent and star power has scored a power play goal in, what, just 20 of their 25 games? It should be a nightly occurrence. It should be a nightly occurrence with this power play. They should be up there. We talked about it when they acquired Carlson. Bare minimum, 25%. To really compete, they should be somewhere in the 25 to 30% range. Not to compete, but to be the team that we think they can be, right? Somewhere in the 25 to 30% range. Up there with the Islanders, the Oilers, Vancouver, the Rangers, Tampa. Hell, look at what Arizona's done on the power play. Jersey's otherworldly. Because they, they think about getting the puck on net, and they think about going to the net and following the puck to the net. They don't worry about passing the puck into the back of the net, which Mike Sullivan has been saying for years, and we have all been seeing for years, is the problem with this power play. They try to get too damn pretty, and it's still happening. And instead of too damn pretty, it's just too damn ugly. And here's a worry. I mentioned earlier that because of the standings, everything's stacked up really tight in the Eastern Conference, right? Well, the problem with that is that the Penguins don't play especially well against their Eastern Conference brethren. In fact, at 11-11-3, six of their wins, more than half of their wins, the Penguins this year, have come against the Western Conference. And five of those six against the lowly Pacific Division. Yeah. Now, Vegas is a good team. They beat Vegas. That That's that's good. I'm not going to sit here and clown them for beating Vegas or uh, the Kings game. Like, yeah, look, those are good teams. I'll give you credit for that. i got no problem giving you credit for those wins. But when two are against Anaheim and another in a laugher against San Jose, you're stacking up wins against the Western Conference, which means against the East, they've got a losing record. Five, seven, and two against the Eastern Conference, and only two of those five wins came against the Metro Division. They've got two wins in the Metro in seven games. That's it. One of them against a terrible Capitals team the first week of the season, and the other one against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, What have they done against teams in playoff position in the Eastern Conference? Well, we just saw them lose two to the Flyers, right? We've seen them lose to Carolina. We've seen them lose to the Rangers. We've seen them lose to Detroit. I mean, there's a big one Friday night in Florida because it's going to be a nice Patrick Hornquist ceremony there, the last team he played for before riding off into the sunset and, of course, the team that he won two cups with coming to town in Sunrise, Florida. My hope is that Friday night, the Pittsburgh Penguins watch that Patrick Hornquist ceremony and channel some of Horny. Seriously, they have to. That's what's killing them on the power play. Actually, that's the one legitimate Achilles heel they have at even strength as well, the front of the net, both offensively and defensively. Whether it's Ryan Graves or Marcus Pedersen, and again, Pedersen's having a really good year, you get them in front of their own net, they're not physical enough. Whether it's Redeem Zahorna or anybody on the four forward units, you get them in front of their, the net, if you can even get them there, 
and they're not physical enough. They don't strike any fear into opposing blue lines when they think, oh, man, I'm going to have to go to the crease and battle this guy tonight. Who on the Penguins roster does anybody look at and think that about? Yeah, guys don't want to have to battle with Crosby down below the goal line. Nobody does. But who do they look at on this roster and say, oh, man, that guy's going to be charging the paint every single time. And I'm going to have to stand there and put my stick in his chest, and then he's going to put his back up in my chin, and we're going to have to sit there and sword fight in front of the net. Nobody does that with this team. They need to be reminded, I think. And look, I know a lot of people think this is a coaching thing. I don't think it's a Mike Sullivan thing specifically. I'll be honest, I still don't. Mike Sullivan knows how to get this team to do what he wants it to do. They just do not do it. They don't. I guess he knows what he wants them to do. He just can't get them to buy in all the time. But that's where it comes back around on this problem of them being old, right? Okay, they're old, and they get more days off now. More optional skates. Fewer practices. But this team is, they need to constantly be reminded of the schematic issues they're having. They need to have those tentpole standard ideas that Mike Sullivan has started to transition towards as he goes towards more of a 1-2-2. Two, two. They need to have those ideas reinforced or else they backslide almost immediately. Or after two or three games of success, they backslide. And you end up with a team that forgets how to play. That's not on Sullivan. That's on the team. It is. When they fail to adhere to the system that he's trying to implement, what's he going to do? I mean, he can sit guys. He, you know, A couple of guys played seven minutes last night. So if you're not going to bring it, he's going to sit you. Unless your name's Crosby or Malkin or Gensel or Rust. Because those are the only guys doing anything. They're the only ones scoring. Aside from Geno's recent skid. And so the problem here is that resting old guys is a good idea in theory until you realize it's not going to work for the team as a whole because they constantly need to be reminded and reinforced of what the system is supposed to look like. I mean, this team is third worst in the NHL at preventing odd man rushes. They give up five and a half per game. Only Buffalo and Chicago are worse. And both of those teams are less experienced and younger than the Penguins. Which, especially in Buffalo's case, the second least experienced team in the league, fifth youngest, you can explain, okay, yeah, they lose their heads sometimes. They give up a lot of odd man rushes back the other way. In the case of the Penguins, you're the oldest, I think, fourth most experienced team in the league. Show some more composure. Show some more understanding for the way your head coach wants you to play the game. Focus on hanging back, playing that responsible. I've called it boring before, but that's fine. Boring 1-2-2. And then capitalizing on the opposition's mistakes going back the other way in transition. Capitalizing on when you're able to set up possession in the offensive zone. By not dancing around, making it look like the freaking ice capades, by putting the puck on net and driving traffic to the net after the puck gets there, before the puck gets there. Just driving things at the net, the puck and human traffic. Human trafficking, that probably doesn't sound right, huh? But you know what I mean. Get to the net. Get the puck to the net. But they don't look interested in that. We'll see where it goes from here. But again, 
where they're at. They're not statistically points-wise in the race so far out in the standings that they can't get in there with a nice little run. Florida's a good team, though, Friday night. Arizona's a good team, good, young, scrappy, hungry team on Tuesday. And then, bang, turn around and head up to Montreal to face the Canadians, who have been a little better than I expected, I think. They got to start piecing it together because if they if they look up on say New Year's Day and they're not in the picture yet, they might just languish there in what like eleventh or twelfth place in the conference all year, just far enough out, but not scrappy and hungry enough to climb their way in. Again, that that shows age. And that's something to worry about because that, despite whatever Mike Sullivan wants to do, despite whatever we want to yell and scream about, that can't be fixed. What can be fixed? The power play. And I'll leave you with this. This would be the one move right now. Before making trades of any kind, before blowing anything up, before going drastic and talking about the head coach or anything, you want to fire a shot across the bow of the guys on that power play? Might be time to fire the assistant who runs it. Nothing against Todd Reardon as a person, but if he can't if he can't get this power play going, if they can't get the power play going, then sometimes, guess what? If you can't fire the head coach or you're not willing yet or ready to fire the head coach, you fire an assistant. See if that gets him to start firing some pucks on the net. If it doesn't, well, then we move on to other options, don't we? And they do become more nuclear. Thanks again for listening to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Again, make sure you're following the podcast inside your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Like I said, it's free, so download it today. You can take the show with you, take everything with you wherever you're going, or however you download your podcast, be sure to subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Another new episode on the way as we continue to track these Pittsburgh Penguins, and they're just barely keeping their head above water as they try to catch their breath, maybe score a power play goal maybe catch some teams by surprise and get back into the Eastern Conference playoff race in the NHL. I'm Chris Mack. Thanks to Greg Finley for producing. This has been Fifth Avenue Faceoff.